again, great to be here. Really excited to meet a lot of you for the first time and also to understand in particular what you want to get out of the session. So I'm going to jump right in and ask that question. So why are you here? Um, obviously, if, if we've got a couple of mentors in the room, they're here because they're wanting to figure out how they can help get the best relationship with you as mentees. But let's turn it over to the mentees for a second. Anybody want to share with me why are you here as a mentee? Uh, in the front? Justin. Justin. OK. Justin, why are you here? How about um, the team names would be helpful, too? OK, very good. Yeah, let's get the team names. Um, Justin and I were at Split and Go uh, at the Launch Lab. Split and Go. Yeah, um, I'm interested in, mentor, uh, in getting a mentor, finding a mentor. Um, so getting one, finding one, yeah. Anything else in particular? Um, if you meet someone you'd like to be your mentor, like broaching the subject would be kind of a, how to get into that sort of thing. How to get the relationship going? How to, yeah. to kick start it, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Get yeah. it going? Okay. Thank you. <coughs> there are a couple of people right behind you. Let's get your names. Go ahead. Um, Aaron. Aaron. E-R-I-N. Uh-huh. Yep. And we're with Teach for El Salvador. Teach for El Salvador, great. And uh, Aaron, tell me why mentorship's important to you and what brought you here. Um, well, I think uh, my philosophy's always been that uh, when I don't know something, the first thing I need to do is think of the people that I can ask and bank on steal and ask first and learn from them. And okay. I think the reason that I'm here is because I don't always think as creatively as I could about all the different ways that a mentor can help. Um, my list is probably too short, and I'd like to expand that in my head. Great. So you're creatively trying to figure out how to get the most out of mentoring. So what do I hear? Oh, great. OK, next to you, I saw a hand go up too. Yeah, I'm Josh. I'm with Aaron and the same team. Great. Um, just kind of you know, picking up where she left off with like uh, trying to maximize the time that you have with the mentor and maximize the output that you got that um, you guys can produce that we you know we could produce okay let's keep going for a few more those are very helpful thank you um, who else is on a team so in the yes. white shirt so we're with Koru strategy that's K-O-R-U K-O-R-U yeah um, and one of the things I'm interested in is um, helping it It'd be a good experience for both of us so that the mentor gets something out of it as well as us so we can have a mutually beneficial kind of partnership. You're going to fit right in tonight. <laughs> You'll see why. Okay, great. So why, tell me a little bit about why that's important to you. What, what do you think that'll bring? Well, I think, I think uh, ideally she'll, we have, we have a, we've been matched already, and yep. ideally she'll have um, strengths that she can bring to the table for us and that we can also help her thinking about um, about our particular field, which is education. Great. Yeah. Um, and just got to get both your names just so we can... So I'm Rob. Great, Rob. Uh, my name's Ben. Rob and Ben. Thank you, guys. Okay, one more team for sure. Who else would like to jump in? Go ahead. Hi. Um, so similar to this point on mutually beneficial, I yep. also want to have um, more of a relationship yep. with my mentor. Um, I found that in prior mentor relationships, they're not actually like relationships. They feel more you know, transactional where I'm just like asking a question and then they respond and, and then maybe I'll have another thing a few weeks later. So I want it to be more 
the developed relationship. Okay, great. And your name is? Uh, Brittany. Brittany. And the company's called Runway. Brittany as in Spears, not to demean you, but same spelling? No, it's actually B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, but... Good job by us, then. <laughs> T-T-A-N-Y, Brittany. Yes. Okay, great. Thanks. And what did you say the company was? The Runway. Project? Runway, great. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks. Great. Anybody else before I jump in who wants to... Put, I mean, throughout the evening, please feel free to jump in. Okay, so lots of reasons here. Now let's, let's turn over to the mentors for a second. Why are you here? I mean, you, you guys, both Tom and Matt, obviously have decided that you want to you know, contribute something. What is it that you want to bring to the party? Well, I'm like anybody else here. I'm sure I want to be good at what I'm doing. Okay. So it seems to me that this is a two-way street. I love that couple of comments about mutually beneficial. To me, a good word is exchange. Okay, so wonderful. about an exchange of value. Say more about that. What, what would be an ideal example of a piece of, ex, of value you'd like to exchange? Uh, well, I'm thinking about it. It sounds like some of the mentees, if that's, a, if that's actually a word, yep. uh, would like to provide some value to the mentors. Yep. And so part of it is just fun to hang around with people. Okay, let's have some fun. Why not? Yeah. There's a lot of time and energy that goes into this. Let's, let's make it fun. Does, this should be something somebody said they wanted to have a relationship. Relationships don't last if they're not fun and enjoyable. So I love that. OK, great. Um, how about you, Tom? Oh, sorry, Matt. Uh, well, uh, on that point, you know, I just like making stuff up. And so I like helping. <laughs> helping should we write that down? Or <laughs> I like helping other people make, make stuff up as, as a consequence, because it's all the same. Um, I, in my life, uh, basically, never really knew how to make use of, of mentors, and as a consequence, learned most of the things I've learned by making every possible mistake. Um, I did have the good fortune of, of some people who, who gave me advice, not in a sort of traditional mentor way, and so I guess I see the exchange in a slightly different way, the idea of exchange. So I'm not necessarily looking to learn a lot from my mentees, although I imagine I will, but I'm more interested in the exchange of somebody gave help to me, mm -hmm. and I would like to exchange that, not by giving it back to them, but by giving it to somebody else. Oh, okay, so that's it's exchange and pass along in your case, too. Very good. One thing I really loved about what you said, even though you said it in, a, in kind of a jestful way, is actually making stuff up is, is something we should talk about as potentially a tool. Uh, even as, as crazy as it sounds. But I also love the, the question that you were raising, which is how to make use of mentors, which is a big part of why this, this class got to be, um, in the last couple of years, so important. It's something that we don't get taught. You know, we're, it's sort of an assumed skill that, okay, there are mentors out there. You know, obviously, if I get a mentor, then they must know how to, to mentor me, and I must know how to receive it. But in fact, as I've discovered, that's not the case. And in fact, it's become some of the most popular stuff that I've written is around this subject, and I get tons of feedback on it. And so I should just tell you right up front, I have zero answers. And I have lots of questions. So tonight, I hope you will help me explore this subject, and we'll develop some answers for, for all of us. So first thing I want to start off with by saying is that mentoring is actually a gift. And there are two ways to look at it. Uh, you could either say, that, you know, do you have this gift? Are you already a gifted mentor? Or do you give this gift? Is it something that you, for example, you know, for, like to give to people? And I want to answer this question tonight. So 
I think many of you will probably have the answer to this in um, a short order as we go through these materials. But let's just, let's just think, what kind of a gift is mentoring? Is it something that we have? Is it something we give? How do we receive it, et cetera? Um, but let's think of it as a gift because it's very rarely something that is paid for. That's consultancy as far as I'm concerned. And the good news is nobody I'm aware of is paying for any of this. So let's think about how do we really get the most out of this gift? I wanna give you, as I always do, three skills from a framework. And these skills are not in any shape or form the only skills, they're just examples of things to get us discussing how to get the most out of our relationships. And I'm particularly excited that we've got people here who want to creatively explore this and want to find mutual ways to do it. You've got questions about how do you, you know, get it going, et cetera. I'm going to try to bring out all of these things, but I want you to hold me to your agenda because there is zero value in me being here unless I answer your questions. So we're not leaving this room until you feel like you've got these questions answered for the mentors. And those of you who didn't raise your hands so far, jump in and raise them as we go along. So the first thing is, incredibly obvious question. Do you know how to ask for help? I mean, we all think we do, right? You know, how do I help somebody is also the other side of this as a mentor. So let's start with this. You know, how do you like to ask for help? Sure. So um, I'm trying to close my first fundraising round, and I've never done that before, and yep. it's really different and hard. So one thing um, I've been doing is reaching out to <coughs> former professors, um, either ones that I had or sometimes ones that I didn't have. And I guess, I mean, if you want me to say how I do it, I'm like, I send an email, I'll be like, hi, you know, Professor so-and-so, hope you're doing well. Uh, I took your class this, you know, um, and I was remembering such and such that, you know, I came to mind as I'm trying to do this thing and I'm wondering if we could meet to discuss like X, Y, Z. So it's like, hey, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Teeny little update on like me and then be like, and I have this question um, and see if they're willing to meet with me. But I feel like, I don't know, usually people want to catch up, and if there's somebody that you sort of already know, it's not that hard. But I mean, it's never the first sentence. The first sentence is never like, I need help. Right. Um, okay. So I love where you're going. What's your name, by the way? Mira. Mira. How do I spell that? M I R A. M M I R A. Okay. So Mira's point here is something we already heard somebody bring out. Who was it who talked about relationships earlier on? Somebody, read, yeah, so that was Brittany. Tell me why you think Mira's going about this the right way. Um, she's, I guess, uh, opening up the conversation about catching up and saying that it's not just the question that she has, it's more like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's just less, it's less transactional, I guess, it's back to what I was saying, where it's not like, I just came at you just for this one thing. It's like, oh, let's, let's talk and really explore, you know, getting to know what you're doing and everything behind that. And she mentioned that, oh, I took your class. So it's also referencing some of the, the prior history that they yep. built. So yep. I find that that was, seems effective. So uh, remember I said mentorship's a gift. How often do we give gifts to people we don't like? Last time I checked, we don't, right? So think about it this way. We, we want to find people who are, for some reason or other, connected with us, finding some history with them, where you might have worked with them, building a relationship with them, getting to feel like they'd like to give you this gift. And so I would state the obvious here, except that it's not obvious because people amazingly don't do this. Start by building a relationship. Because what's the other problem on the other side of this? What happens if you ask for help for somebody and it turns out you don't like them? Is that going to be easy to receive that gift? I doubt it. 
And my experience is it's actually really hard, even if you respect them, uh, to you know, really work with them and receive gifts from them if you just don't get along with them. It might be just basic chemistry or cultural differences, et cetera. So I really think this was great uh, that Brittany brought out this you know, concept of, of building a relationship first. Okay, so that's one of the first and easy things for us to get uh, stuck into here. Let's also uh, go in with your question, Mira, and, and, and try to pose a couple of different things. You could say um, you've, you've got this relationship built now, and you're ready to ask your first question about fundraising. What would that be? What might your first question be? So you, you've now got this person. You like them. You're getting along great. Your relationship is you know, thriving. What's your first question going to be? My first question about fundraising or my first question to the mentor? The first question about fundraising. So we'll keep it you know, real. Um, well, I'm trying to figure out like, what are fair terms like for okay. an investment. So how do we think about that question? That's a great starting question. What are fair terms? How do people think about that question? Is that a good question? I'm remembering we're trying to figure out how do you ask for help? Is this a good way to start asking for help? Go ahead. I mean, I think it's somewhat context dependent what good terms are, right? Um, I mean, the question itself is, is, is more complex than it, than it seems because it's sort of, a, it's an epistemological question. Do you know how to ask for help? It's kind of, um, you know, there's all these, uh, it kind of reminds me of the, there's that framework of there are, there are known knowns or things you know you know and right, right, known exactly. unknowns. Yep. And so much of this is, you know, you know, sometimes you don't really know what help should look like or what, what information you really need. Well, I'll, I'll help you. I'll jump in. So what of these two questions, and we'll come back to um, Mira's question, is going to be more successful at eliciting help for you? Uh, do you think the answer is A or B, asking your mentor a question? Or how should I think about this problem? Which do you think of these two questions is going to get you the most help? B. B. Why? Open-ended. It's who said open-ended? Mira. OK, that's exactly the point. Mira's question actually at least was relatively open. And the more openly you ask a question, like I said here, how should I think about this problem? But how fair are the terms? It's not a fully open question. Now, Mira, let's just push you for a second. Where did terms fall in the fundraising priority in your list? It obviously was number one, because it's the first question you asked. But is it the most important question about fundraising? Do you know? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You said the magic words. I don't know. How many of you don't know shit? <laughs> I mean, I've said so much I don't know that that's the reason I'm here. In fact, I'm learning from you as we sit here, right? So let's start with a premise. You don't know. That's the reason you've asked for mentorship. So. What might be an even more open question, not Mira this time, because I want to give her a bit of a break, but to help Mira, somebody here, that would be really open on how to help get fundraising? Anybody? Go ahead. What do I need to know about the fundraising process? What an awesome question. What's your name? Chris. Okay, Chris, would you mind helping Mira uh, after this? Okay, great. You two are now paired even if it's just to answer one question between each other. What's great about Chris's question? Can somebody else tell me? I mean, I think it's awesome, but what do you think? Uh, just prioritization. So what do I need to know? It's yep. that top urgency idea. Yep. So by being open in his, his question, 
he started to establish things like the priority. What else did you mention there? Urgency? What else might this open question, what do I need to know about fundraising, lead to? Go ahead. Stuff you haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, right? So we don't know what we don't know. You just said it. There are known knowns and known unknowns. This falls into the category of, we've got to start somewhere. Where do we start? And this is the biggest challenge often in mentoring relationships is people start with a very specific idea about what they need to question around. They may not even have the context for whether it's the right thing, whether it's the most important thing at this point in time, et cetera. So it's really opening up the dialogue. So that's the first thing I want you to, to understand is the skill of, of questioning. And we just kind of started to begin uh, to delve into it a little bit. The biggest and obvious thing here is ask the most open questions you can, and I would say, in a simple sense, that fess up to the fact that you don't know. It's the most powerful, disarming, and indeed engaging thing when somebody says, I have no clue about this. I wonder if you could help me think about ABC. How should I think about it? Wow. I immediately think I've got an open-minded person here who wants to learn. Now, when somebody says to me, by contrast, do you think the answer is A or B? I have no context for why they're asking it. It feels odd to me because if I tell them it's A, and even if I think A is right, it might be completely wrong for them. So open questions. So let's get into this a little bit more. We started with questions. Why are questions so important versus answers, for example? Look, there are lots of answers out there. What if I could just give you all the answers to your, your uh, questions? How would that do for you? Go ahead. What Matt was saying before about making stuff up. If you ask questions and you ask open-ended questions, lots of different things come out. And it um, leads to, to you know, the, the brainstorming and the, the getting to the actual kernel of the issue versus putting it in a box before you even start. Very well said. So it starts to open up something that people were looking for, which is some creative exploring. It starts to get people thinking about things that they may not have even you know, had as a construct before. What's the, what's the set of things that, um, let's, let's pick an example here. So somebody says to you, I have, uh, and I'd like to stay on the fundraising thing because I think it's easy. I've decided that I need to um, make a decision around fundraising as to whether I do a seed round or a series A round. Should I do seed or series A? That's the question. So we said that's a fairly closed question. And somebody says, oh, I've been in the business for 20 years. I've heard what you're doing, and it's really clear to me you should do a Series A. So, by the way, it's, I could easily make that comment about you know, some of the things that people ask me. And, and I could really believe it, too. And I've got you know, whatever it is, 30 plus years experience in the business, so I, I might really have a legitimate reason to say, I think that's absolutely right. Why is that wrong? I think it lacks a lot of the context of the thought process to go from point A to point B. And I think, given your 30 years of experience, it's those elements of the thought process that can help inform my decision making. So some wonderful things that Alok said. Context, there's a thought process. But I want to get really personal for a second. Who the hell is Michael Scott to give me an opinion about whether this is right or wrong? whether it should be seed or series A, even if I have all the experience in the world. Who am I? I'm not you. Is this the right decision for you? I don't know that. Who do you think is going to know more about your pot potential business 
Me or you? I hope it's you. <laughs> A lot of trouble if it's not. So here's the concept I want to get across here. There, are, there is an enormous temptation, even though we'll start with open questions, to lead down to at some point, you know, okay, how should I fundraise? And then you get the answer to that. Well, okay, so it's, you know, then it's this or that. And then you finally get to a place and somebody says, all right, fine, raise your Series A. And how much? Okay, and then we finally figure out a number. What should you do at that point? Well, the first thing I'm going to suggest you to do is check this question. Is, is this appropriate for you? No matter what anybody tells you, I don't care whether Tom and Matt are the two best mentors on the planet. I'm going to ask them right now, do you guys think you have all the answers for your mentees? No. And, and even if you think you're dead right, do you agree that we should get them to check this first line here? Matt, why don't you give us your sense? Well, I wouldn't tell you what to do or anything, but... <laughs> but uh... Well, somebody's going to ask you at some point, what do you think you should do? Yeah. What, what will you do at that point? Um, like, well, yeah. I think the previous person mentioned something about walking someone through the decision-making process. So I would try and maybe get them to go through the steps that I might be part of my process without saying at each step how I would resolve that step. Yeah, I looked at, yeah. He, I think that's a wonderful thing for a, for a mentor to do with you. So um, here's a great takeaway that, that Matt just gave you. Let's say you actually think that the mentor's right. It really feels right to you. So now you're convinced. Wouldn't it be helpful at that point for at least to, you to ask them this question? What were the sets of things that led you to that conclusion? Would that be helpful to you? Yeah, ask that question a lot, especially if you get an answer. Because even if you believe it's right, and even if you think it's right for you, what have you learned if you just took the answer? Really nothing. You, you might have taken the right decision, but what happens now when Matt's not there? He's not available to you. You've got to make the next decision on your own, and you didn't have any framework for it. You didn't learn his thought process. You didn't understand the basis on which he made the decision. So even though that's such an obvious thing to state, I don't see mentors doing that. Sorry, mentees doing that very much. I see most of you say, wow, I've gotten more and more trust with Matt, and Tom's an awesome guy, and gosh, the last time he gave me three answers, they were dead right. I'm just going to take the fourth one. But the problem with that is you're really not learning. And so try to ask that question. So the next thing I'm trying to, to get out of you here is I don't want you to take the, the road that's already traveled. You know, Matt, Tom, myself, any mentor has had a set of experiences. But they're not your experiences. And by the way, they don't know what's coming. If you've met a mentor who can tell the future, I want to meet them. I mean, we just don't know, right? So we're trying to understand where this is leading and trying to figure out what it is that you, from a, a personal sort of if like skill set standpoint, might do in the future. And I want you to develop that curiosity. The other thing I'll say is that I've been in groups many, many times. If you take one person's answer and you just literally take it, you're missing the opportunity to say, get a group together like this and say, well, what do you think? And bounce the, the answer off somebody else. Okay, I, I heard from Tom, this set of steps led me to say I should take a Series A. But I'm actually curious, would you have taken those same steps? Maybe not. OK, tell me why not. What are the things that you would have thought through? Isn't that going to be helpful to getting some brainstorming going, get a different get a set of discussions? So it's also one of the reasons, by the way, why I don't recommend one mentor. I actually think mentors are usually good in sort of one respect or another. So some people, for example, are great 
at a personal level, helping you with things like you know, team building. Others might be really good, for example, on a financial level, and those are very different skills. Um, others might be really good in your marketplace. Doesn't mean to say they're going to be very good, for example, on your finances. You know, they're just different skill sets. And there's nothing wrong with having multiple mentors. The key is obviously, can you manage the synthesis of what you get as information back from multiple mentors? If, you're, if you can't, don't take too many. <laughs> take as many as you can afford the time and energy and that you're comfortable synthesizing. But multiple viewpoints, in my opinion, gives generally um, much better answers. And then, as I said already, the key point that I really want to make here is that I want each of you to do the following. Close your eyes. I'll do the same with you. And imagine you have absolutely nobody to ask the next really important question in your life. Nobody. You just don't. You're on your own. Think of that question for a second. What are you going to do? Well, I know one thing. Nobody is going to, at that point, be better armed to figure it out than you. And so uh, I want you to realize that the beauty of the world in which we live today is that everything is being invented. And in fact, the whole idea behind innovation is we're going to create breakthroughs, new opportunities. And to state the obvious, uh, in my opinion, it's best stated by Albert Einstein in his quote, we cannot solve the problems ahead of us with the thinking from the past. We have got to be our own original innovative thinkers. And so no matter what our mentors tell us, that is history in the thinking. The thinking you're trying to, to come up with is about innovation, breakthroughs, and in every sense, originality. So when we talked about somebody saying creatively exploring, I was excited to hear that because good mentors will be trying to get you to explore and to get creative. And they will not be taking the first answer from their history because that isn't going to create the solutions for tomorrow. So try not to take the historic perspective. Try to think about what would you do differently. And if that's the only question you ask yourself, what would I do differently with this advice? I'll be happy. But just keep thinking it in those terms. So you got the answer. You asked how they got to it. You evaluated with other people now. And then this last thing, which is, OK, but what do I think about it? And how would I do something differently? How would I innovate around this? That's usually what leads to breakthrough thinking. That's when I see real exciting opportunities emerge. OK, so I do get asked this a lot, which is, OK, I get stuck. So let's talk about that for a second. So what's stopping you from answering your own question? We all run into this. You know, you feel like you've got a block. It's writer's block, or you've been at this problem too long, and you keep bashing your head against the wall. You know, you're stuck doing it, and um, you, know, you just literally can't through it. So there are still a few questions you can ask. First of all, the one we're here for, which is, you know, where can I get the best help with that? Okay, so that's hopefully, you, know, you feel like your mentor is one of those resources. That's a good question. Uh, and sometimes mentors don't know, and they should be pointers to resources. So that's an obvious thing to state. Whenever you're with your mentor and you don't feel they have the answer, ask them who they know. A big part of mentoring is networking. And uh, a good mentor will network you. And if, even if they don't know, they, they might know a person who does know. It's that classic story. Keep thinking about how to network to get to that point. And uh, use the tools that are out there. Use LinkedIn. I purposely, for example, make my you know, network open so people can look at all the people that I might know that might know somebody so that you can go get it. The second question I want you to ask is this, is this one-off help? Is this like, I just need the answer to this question. It's never going to come up again. 
Those are kind of easy, but it's very rarely that. Now, what if it's not one-off help? It's, if it's continuous help, you know you're going to constantly need help with, and an example might be hiring. How many people here have got really uh, you know, interesting hiring challenges? It's my number one part of my job, by the way, day to day. OK, let's jump from the front row. How do you get help with hiring? Well, uh, right now we're looking for a CTO yep. that believes in the passion of our project. We're mapping out historic Palestine and uh, some destroyed villages, and trying to look at the layers. Yep. So finding a CTO that wants to code for that cause is very important to us. OK. So let me ask you a question. Once you've hired him, is that it? Will you never have to hire people again? No. OK. We're always going to have to hire more people. <clears throat> so if you found a mentor who could get you the CTO, would you rather take that person or somebody could teach you how to hire really well? I can have both. <laughs> well, that would be great too. But if you had to make a choice, which one would you pick? Oh, uh, well, we really need a CTO. <laughs> this is the real world, right? And we have great mentors. Like, I have a network of mentors. So we have somebody based in BC who was so great, connected us to Smithsonian. And then yep. we have the founder of the Palestinian Telecommunications Company. And we really have the best of both worlds, but yet we still cannot find a good CTO uh, hire. And, uh, but people are coming out of the woodwork who are interested, but don't have the skills that we need. You're doing a marvelous job of describing the problem. You still haven't told me your answer. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, anybody else? What can, what's your name, by the way? Sammy. Sammy's got a real world issue, which, by the way, I hear every day in the boardroom. I just came from a board meeting where exactly this issue, not the CTO specifically, CMO in our case, uh, is our top hiring priority. But we didn't have the conversation about the CMO. We had the conversation about something different. I don't want to give the answer away. So somebody else want to help Sammy out here? Who else is? Yeah, go ahead. Um, we're looking also for a CTO, but uh, with one of our hiring challenges, looking for senior engineers. And um, it's, it's challenging because it's not my background is not engineering. I run an analytics team, and I. I don't have as much of a difficulty hiring analysts, but when it comes to hiring engineers, it's tougher for me because I don't really know how to access a good senior engineer. Okay. So, and your name is? H-A-N-H. H-A-N-H. Now, how do I say it? Han? Uh, hi, yeah. Han. Okay. So, I'll do my best to say it. But, so what I hear you say is very much more typical, which is you've got to hire engineers. And you'd love to figure out how to do that. So again, I'll put the question to you. If I could come and help you find your first engineer, and that was all I did as your mentor, would you rather that or somebody could teach you how to hire and understand how to assess engineers? If engineers, I think I'll choose the later one. And say uh, why. Because it's a repetitive problem, right? I don't just stop at hiring the first engineer and then I'm gonna be like, okay, so what? How do I hire the second engineer? Hopefully, the first engineer is gonna bring more engineers too. That'd be ideal. That would also be ideal. I love this. This group is an and group. It's like we want yes and more. <laughs> Good. The point you're bringing out, and thank you for sharing it, is this: How many of you intend to start a business that is going to grow to a hundred, whatever that number is, and stop? Ah, nobody is. We're all trying to grow businesses. When you grow, they're continuously growing, hopefully. And if you're continuously growing, you're continuously hiring. There are lots of examples of things that you need as skills that are continuous challenges to businesses. 
I encourage you to get mentors who give you the understanding of how to do something, not just give you the hire, for example, or give you the reference. And in fact, what did I tell you earlier about you got an answer, what was the next thing you should do with it, with your mentor? Go ahead. Figure out why they came to that conclusion, why so, they came to that answer. Fantastic. Somebody's paying attention. This is awesome. Uh, your name is? Tommy. Okay, so Tommy, what would that apply to in the hiring process? What would you ask the mentor about hiring? Uh, about hiring? I, I mean, I suppose... Let's say that... I'll, I'll make it easy for you. So you, you're working with Han, and she um, has just been given this uh, excellent engineer, and now you're talking to the person who gave it to her as the mentor because you're working with her, and you're thinking, I want to get the next engineer. What are you going to ask? The path they took, the networks they tapped into. The path they took, the networks. What about assessment? You mentioned assessment. All right, of course. The, their, their methods, their diligence process. Yeah. How did they assess them? How did they interview them? How did they qualify them? Okay, so we're, we're going to stick with this theme, which I love in this group, which is we want an and. We want them to just how to hire and find us the candidates. The I'm with you. So the thing on the list of yep. people that you mentioned, like uh, what is most important to a mentee, yep. networking would be like on my number one. Okay. So like networking is the main reason I would hire a mentor, mainly because when you're dealing with a place uh, like the Middle East or even D.C., yep. it's all about who you know. Great. Yeah, and we're in both locations. We're in D.C., we're in the Middle East, and it's all about who you know and yep. how to get there and then how to approach those people. So yep. we would never have gotten to Smithsonian stores if we didn't know who and how. So both things are in tandem. Very good. So I, I couldn't agree more with that, Sammy. And, and there's no question that one of the, the things that, net, uh, sorry, that mentors often bring is networks. But even then, I'm going to continue to ask you, for example, to ask a question about that network. Okay, so now they disappear again and you can't get access to the network, what are you going to do? What if you'd asked the question, how did you build your network? <laughs> right? Ask the question. Don't just ask for the network. How did they build it? I can tell you how I built my network. I was very systematic about it. And in every business I was in, I was very specific about which segments I went after and who were the CIOs in, in one case that I went to get to know, who the groups they worked with, how we went and built that. And I'd far rather tell you how I did that than just give you the names of the CIOs, by the way, who I worked with 12 years ago. They're out of date. But I could teach you how I did it, and I know you could learn how to go make your own network. And by the way, there's no, no stopping any of you from doing any of these things. One of the beauties of being where you all are is you're advantaged right away because you're even having this discussion. You're thinking about this. You're way ahead of the game. Most people are just not doing that. And I'll state the obvious. Mentorship is usually only a part of the solution in any of these circumstances. Obviously, you know, there are many other things that come into play. But the bottom line on this slide, if you take away nothing else, is I'm not looking for answers for a single critical reason. I don't want you to get just one move on the chessboard. I want you to learn how to play the whole game and understand the strategy to win every single time. That's the difference between good mentoring and, good, and being a good mentee is that you figure out how to get that out of it. So let's, let's just keep going with that. I said, what if you get stuck and you really don't know what to do? Uh, this does happen. I've seen mentors and mentees get stuck into this thing. I'm going to give you three quick tips. The first thing is, obviously, you want your mentor to figure out where are you stuck. You know, you might think you're stuck, for example, around you can't find the CTO. Let's stick with that problem for a second. 
And by the way, you're all gonna run into this. We, we, uh, there's not a single company I'm involved with that doesn't have some critical hire that's holding us up. What are you gonna do? Okay, now you might be stuck because your entire focus is you've got to hire this person. But why are you hiring the person might be the first question I'd ask. So as I said, I just came from a board meeting. We actually had to let go somebody in a critical role, and now the whole focus became, how do we hire that person again? But we changed the question. And we said, well, wait a second, what's the priority right now in the company? Is it building the product or is it getting it to market? Do we have enough product for our product market fit? Or is it actually um, not enough and we really need to fix that? Well, we realized, you know, we have enough product right now. Actually, our real challenge is customer success. So wait a second, who in the company could fulfill that role rather than the one we were looking for? Well, it turns out one of the founders is really good at that. They're really good at product management. And so we changed the spec of who we're looking for and we filled it internally, and for the next year, we've already decided that's the issue. So we changed the concept, we changed the construct. It's like changing your perspective. So I encourage mentors, Tom and Matt, maybe I could get you to jump in for a second. You know, what could you do when somebody is, is, is stuck using some of these kinds of thoughts? What, what might you do? I was writing a bunch of notes there, so give me a second here. Okay, I'll flip to the other side of the room. Matt, it's really stuck. They, they just don't know, they, you're trying to help them get the answer, but they, they can't figure it out. Um, well, it's, it's sort of the, the, a lot of this conversation is very symmetrical. Uh, so a lot of the things that you've been describing, you ask a lot of questions. Yep. Um, ask some questions that seem irrelevant, questions especially about framing. Great, that's the key word I was looking for, thank you. Say more about that, framing. Um, well, Usually, when you're thinking about a problem, you have some context which you're imagining the problem to exist within. And oftentimes, the answer or the problem is, is better understood by taking a broader view, by looking at a higher level of abstraction, or yep. by um, sometimes it's useful to do something stupid like say, well, is that actually a problem or is that a good thing? And Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Wonderful. So you, you, any of you who are lucky enough to have Matt, as your mentor, is going to have great, a great time, a great experience. Because what Matt's doing here is naturally trying to get you out of your kind of state. It turns out there's, there's something going on in the brain here, which is just, you know, we all know it in, in, in the sort of the world at large, which is when we really get focused on something, it's kind of all we can think about. And we get more and more focused on it and more and more intensely. And we get stuck, literally, physically in some cases, in the brain in a certain mode. And what we need is somebody to pull us back, reframe it, take a different viewpoint on it, rethink it, maybe even ask whether that wonderful question that Matt asked, is this really a problem? Or actually, is it an opportunity to change somebody out in this role or do something different? And I really encourage you to go to your mentors when you're stuck, just if for no other reason than to just kind of change the view uh, and to change the conversation. The second thing I want you to do is not so obvious, which is I want you to find a way that you don't get into that place again. Because if you keep getting stuck in the same place, that is a very frustrating thing especially if your mentor has to keep coming back and sorting it out for you. So I encourage the mentees, this, sorry, the mentors this time to ask this question. So I'll flip over to you this time with kind of the pat question, Tom. How might you help somebody who keeps getting stuck in the same place? What might you do to help them avoid that? Try to evaluate how you got stuck the first, this, this past time. How did you get stuck this time or the time before? What, what were the series of events that occurred? Awesome, awesome. Do a debrief. Awesome. Where did it go wrong? It, somebody said it here. It's the symmetry of this that's so funny. Remember I, I said you're all going to really enjoy this class because you asked the mutual thing? 
That same question that you asked your mentor, how did you get to this place, and they gave you the answer, now your mentor should ask you, well, how did you get to this place that you got stuck? And try to understand, is it a pattern with you? Is it a pattern that you keep making these same sort of, if you like, steps, you conclude the same things? The other thing I'd say about mentors in this thing is that mentors' job is to get to know you as a mentee and understand, is there a particular way in which you think? Because almost everybody has a certain pattern. For example, I'm very pictorial in my thinking. Other people are, for example, very logical in their thinking. Some people are very freeform thinking. Lots of different kinds of thinking can help here. Another thing you might all do here is, is try to get somebody else in who you know thinks differently to you. How many of your teammates think identically to you? Hopefully, not many. I actually think good founding teams are very different, and uh, including, obviously, very different backgrounds, et cetera. So obviously, try to get your co-founder or somebody else involved in kind of understanding, well, OK, how does somebody think differently around this? And then the third thing is very obvious is everybody has a base need to problem solve. It's a fundamental part of being in, in a startup. We, we, in fact, in pretty much anything, but particularly in startups. In startups, usually what you're trying to do is solve a problem. That's what you're building, for example, a solution to. That might be your whole company is solving a problem. But day to day, it's problem solving. Go ahead, question. So, yeah, so at the beginning, you talked about relationship, but uh, yep. we're assuming that there's already a relationship so we can extract value. So yep. I was just wondering if you can talk about how you develop a relationship organically, uh, especially with people who are not that accessible. Um, and I feel like, um, we've talked about it in a way where it's sort of like a sort of very artificial, you know. And I feel like these things just develop, right? But yep. if, you go, if you if you walk up to someone and you say you want to be my mentor, then they like they'll just say no, or whatever, right? So how do you make it organic? How do you basically you know start the relationship without you know? Because for me, it feels like if I ask questions, if I extract value, then it's like I'm just using that person. But if, it, if, it's, if it's mutual, then at the beginning, at least for the mentee, the mentee has to give more because sort of there's a power symmetry between mentors and mentees, right? Yep. And we don't live in this perfect world where like, you know, you have generous uh, mentors like who come here and like, you know, um, give their time. I wish it would be like that. But in the real world, um, I don't know. It's, it's more rough, you know? It is. It's much more rough. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to park that question and I want one of you to answer it by the time we get to the end of this, is to, you know, how do you develop your relationships to, to get a mentor? Okay, and your name is? So somebody here is gonna help Patrick before the end of the evening. And what might that lead to? Okay, so let me frame exactly what I want. Okay, go ahead. So how, how do you develop a relationship with someone that's very high profile and you can meet up with them physically? Or, you know, we've just met them once or twice why is high profile important to you, Patrick? Not, no, no, it's not important, but people who inspire you, but yeah. are not that accessible to you. So it doesn't have to be high profile. Okay, so somebody who inspires you. Okay, we'll come back to that. That's a really good question. Okay, so on to the second skill. The first skill was questioning. Okay, in, in a nutshell, that's what we've learned so far, hopefully, is, you know, how do we ask the kinds of questions and we open up the dialogue to get, get things other than answers? Hopefully you took that away from the first part. Lots of heads nodding. Anybody any questions before I go on? Okay, good. Uh, the second skill, what do we think is the second most important skill as a mentee for you? So you're asking great questions now. 
People are starting to give you all these ideas, thoughts, hopefully not just answers. Go ahead. I would say honestly interpreting the information that you're getting from your mentor and understanding how you can best apply that information to whatever project you're working on. Fantastic. Anybody disagree with that? Yeah. Obviously, go ahead. I'm not going to disagree. Um, but I, what I would say is, is listen and to, to kind of elaborate a little. Be open enough that when you hear it and your first reaction is eh, to tamp down that reaction and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to be more open because the world is bigger than what's in my head, and that's why I asked. So how do I take this in even though I'm not right off the bat see, seeing a fit? I love that. Okay, so what I loved about what you were saying there is that oftentimes we don't really know whether what we're being told or what we've been given is relevant or not because we, we ourselves might not understand it at that point. But being willing to listen and engage it and be open to it is super critical. Now, um, I'm going to ask Tom this time. And, uh, so what if somebody, you know, the first time you give them some advice, they say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. How does that make you feel? It's deflating. It's de-energy, loss of energy. <laughs> and, and what if, by contrast, somebody says, you know what, I, I don't think that applies to me, but I really don't know, and I love the fact that you were willing to share it with me. And so perhaps you could tell me how you think it might apply. Energizing. Lifted me right up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I've never met Tom before tonight, by the way. We, he's a good straight man, though. This is the relationship you've got to figure out how to develop. So some of you, hopefully, are starting to think about Patrick's question here about how you develop relationships. Uh, how many times are you going around every day asking questions, even if just to everyday people you meet? I mean, all the time. And today, for example, is there any restriction to you doing that, even to famous high-profile people on things like social media? I don't think so. Um, so anyway, I think the point here is when you get this uh, opportunity, what we're looking for is how do you hear? And not even saying how do you listen, because listening implies that you agree or that you know, you're taking it in or whatever. I'm not even saying that. Sometimes I might say, when I give somebody some advice that they don't even think is relevant, just record it. Just write it down. Maybe even at that particular point in time, you can't listen to it because you're so you know, wound up in your own particular way of approaching things. Just write it down. There are a number of times I've written something down, and I thought it was a complete waste of time. Then I came back to it and went, you know, I finally understand what that person was saying because I've got a little more context or a little bit more experience, et cetera. So how do you hear? How do you record it? How do you capture it? And how often do you hear people say, oh, no, I, I thought you meant ABC. So this is the second thing. You hear that a lot, right? You didn't really confirm what they actually meant. So this is the second thing. Don't leave it to chance. Wouldn't it be better to confirm with them right away, did you mean this? You heard what I said to Tom, which was slightly different. I said to Tom, hey, Tom, I don't think that really applies to me, but could you tell me how you think it applies to me? That's also a way of confirming. Try to get something more out of that uh, piece of advice or guidance that you're getting given, even if you don't think it applies to you at the time. Question. Yeah, so it sounds like you need to have a lot of humility, right, when you're, awesome when you're taking in this information. So yep. my question is, how do you balance being humble while also showing that you're competent and you know what you're talking about um, to show that you're a good receiver of this information? Okay, what was your name again? Elliot. Okay, so Elliot, why is it important to you to appear that you know what you're talking about and that you're competent? Well, from a mentee perspective, uh, I'm hoping to give value back to the mentor, and if it seems like I don't know anything, 
I don't know if the mentor would want to give information to me to begin with. Matt, you're going to run into this a lot. Which would you rather, somebody who was just openly listening and absorbing everything, or somebody who was just determined to prove to you that they actually really were competent and knew what they were doing? Well, that's uh, a kind of a leading question. But <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> this is, I didn't mention leading questions earlier. You don't want somebody who just like is formless without goals, objectives, like who doesn't feel like they're on, you know. Great point, great point. Okay, so I think I learned something there. I think what you were saying, Elliot, was you don't want somebody to feel like you're asking random questions, right? You're nodding your head. Um, you want them to feel like you're asking questions that are moving things forward, that are leading somewhere, that are kind of get you somewhere, that give the sense that you're actually really valuing their time and you're being thoughtful about it. Of course, I couldn't agree more. But I will say, I still would encourage you to start where we started earlier on today, which is say, I don't know. I, it's okay that I don't know where this might lead, but I feel this question's important. That's fine. In fact, there have been a number of times when somebody's asked me a question, I thought, why on earth did they ask, that question, ask me that question? And then I realized, I don't have their context. So I might say back to them, why did you ask me that question? <laughs> Just get the dialogue going. Get into the flow about it. That's part of like brainstorming. It's like your if like mental model between the two of you needs to get into the same place. So we talked about framing earlier on. I'm going to use the word model now. I didn't actually have a slide for it, but to answer Elliot's question um, uh, for himself now. Elliot, now that you've heard what I said, how might you approach this? Uh, I think having an overarching goal, saying, oh, I'd like to get some higher level thinking out of this, but yep. being very open to saying, I don't know what the landscape looks like. Can you help me understand it? Awesome. So that was a great answer. And what I love about it is that you developed it. So I think everybody could probably kind of relate to that. If you can give your mentor a sense of what you're trying to achieve and be very clear about your purpose, and so that the questions do have context, and we talked about it earlier, framing or context or giving them a model uh, when you're you know, engaging, that helps a lot. So uh, excellent, Elliot. Thank you very much for bringing that up. So now we've learned to uh, you know, engage people, and we're starting to get these, this feedback, et cetera. There's a, there's a way I want to summarize this, which is as the second skill and what I call establishing fidelity. So what do I mean by establishing fidelity? So there's some, some terms up here. We've talked, we've talked a little bit about you know, active listening or recording something, checking, confirming what you heard. Um, and then, of course, you know, things like, what if you don't understand? I already had that little dialogue with Tom. I wasn't sure why he was giving me that advice, how that. But what I'm really saying here is you really have a very important responsibility as a mentor, mentee, as somebody receiving this mentorship. Uh, and that is to understand whether you're receiving this right, whether you heard it right. That's why I use the word fidelity. So an easy question for you, very easy question, is did I hear this right? Did you mean this? Something like that, just something to confirm it. And then you're both going to instantly validate, you know, was there fidelity in this conversation? Did you pick up all the right things? And I really encourage that. And the number of times I, I hear people just skip right on, ah, it doesn't seem important, or you know, I'm not sure I heard it right, but it doesn't matter. Don't do that. That's wasting each other's time. Just take the moment. Now, because this isn't the full mentorship class tonight, uh, I don't know, Jody asked this question. How many of you actually read my article on mentorship, the Wall Street Journal article? Did any of you? Yeah. So Matt did. What, what were some of your takeaways from that? Um. 
Well, the main takeaway from from my reading of it, it was it was a week or two ago, was this idea that you were describing in the previous section about uh, about trying not to be too specific and trying to talk, uh, trying to ask questions rather than give answers. Okay. So what did I just do? Thank you, Matt. What did I just do with Matt? We've just been talking about it. I read this article. It went in the Wall Street Journal. I have had you know, thousands of people reply to it. But I'm sitting in a class here, and somebody's read it. What did I just do? Establish fidelity. I just established fidelity. I found out whether this article I spent you know, some time writing, I can't remember how many years ago, actually got the message across. And for all I know, it didn't. In which case, it was useless. But the good news is, I think it did. Uh, it's all about you know, mentors having good questions rather than answers. So thank you, Matt. I'm glad somebody read it. Uh, for those of you who didn't read it, don't worry about it. It's up there on my site if you want to read it. We're going to cover a lot of the issues here tonight. But I also wrote it as a living document. So I'm constantly evolving it. And I ask um, each of you, if you do read it, to tell me what did you take away from it and what questions do you still have afterwards? And that will help me evolve it. So this is the other thing about fidelity. It's a, it's a living thing. You know, For example, if somebody gave you an answer at one point in time, is it always going to apply? No. It evolves, right? The world changes. Things move on. So don't forget to go back and recheck with people as things evolve in your business, too. You know, obviously, we were talking about fundraising earlier on uh, with Mira. Mira, you're not going to raise funding, I, I doubt, all in one go that will last you forever, right? So to just ask about fundraising and say, you know, I want the answer to series A questions, not as, not as valuable as understanding what the whole process is going to look like. Good. So that's the second skill, is to establish fidelity. What's the third skill? I'm not changing slides. I'm not going to tell you. What might be a third skill that you'd want? We've begun to talk about it. Go ahead. Is it applying what you heard into practice? or? Awesome. It's on that thread. Your name is? Brian. Brian. OK, so Brian, what, 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 tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about applying, what, what you mean by that. Um, I mean, you had a question. Uh, the mentor answered it, probably in a way guiding you in a certain direction. Uh, so you had time to reflect on it and even add your probably your perspective. And now it's time to put all that into action. Yep. Yep. So in order to apply something, you've got to think about what does it mean for your situation, right? So the third skill I call um, thinking about what advice you should use. So the, the question I have for you, and I want to show of hands from this one just to make sure everybody's still here. Do you think you should use all the advice you get? Show of hands. OK, how many of you think that you should filter carefully? The rest of you are definitely asleep. No, all the hands are up. Good. This is critical. I'm amazed how many times people feel like somebody famous, high profile, inspiring, told them something, it must be true. You know, this is the most awesome person. I heard it from ABC, and he's just killer, or she is the best in the world at this. It must be right. Really? I mean, honestly, they don't know you. And in most cases, those famous, high up, inspiring people that you're talking about are less likely 
to be at the grassroots with you, knowing what you're actually doing. So this is really, really important. The questions I want you to be asking are things like, does this apply to your situation where you are right now? Does this literally work in the way in which you're working today? How might it be different? Remember I said to you, you know, we want you to innovate. We want you to be creative. Uh, how might you improve it? What is it that you might do to add your own secret sauce to this thing? Even if it's just salt and pepper on the dinner, you know, if you think that's the spice it needs, go ahead. So you were saying earlier that you can always come back to a little note in your notebook and say, oh, that's what he meant by that. Yeah. So how do you know the difference between filtering and holding on to something and considering? Well, what did I say earlier? I mentioned recording versus actually acting now we're talking about. So can you tell me the answer? I mean, so like there's this constant note in the back of my head of he's saying you should be the Getty images of this, this domain. Yep. But it still has not clicked. But yep. for some reason, I don't want to throw that piece of advice away. He is kind of this hot shot, our mentor. But yep. at the same time, it doesn't make sense to me because that's not where we want to go. But he keeps repeating it. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that piece of. It's still in the back of my head. Who would like to help Sammy on this? What should he do? He's got. He's asking. You know, what should I do with this information? It keeps coming back to me, and I've got to decide whether I use it or not. How should he handle that? Go ahead. Maybe ask him uh, why he, why or how he got to thinking that way. Awesome. Really good. What else? Abstract. Reframe. Same old. Abstract and reframe his question. Keep asking a different question, reframe it. Yep, I like that. What else could Sammy do? Well, this guy keeps telling him he should be the Getty Images. There's one word that might be really helpful here. Why? Why do you keep telling me I should be the Getty Images? Right? Get him to just break down why he keeps going on it. You're obviously emphatic about it. You believe this. Why do you believe that? I, I haven't quite understood it yet. I haven't figured out why this is so important to you, but it clearly is. Tell me why it is. And even if you don't agree with him at that point, you don't decide to use advice, at least you'll understand his thinking. And maybe you can extract something from that. The other simple thing I was trying to say to you is that there's a difference between recording and acting. If you've got a mentor, there's nothing wrong with recording everything they say. It doesn't mean to say you have to act on it. And you can come back to it later, and you can refer to it, and you can ask questions about why they said it, et cetera. But um, the worst thing about mentorship, and I've, I've been in this experience too, is when you feel like you're putting in a tremendous amount of energy to help somebody, and they're not even capturing it. Even if they don't realize it at the time, you're trying to feed them some you know, real valuable frameworks, et cetera, and they're not even capturing it. It's just, it makes you despondent as a mentor. By contrast, if you see somebody you know, really taking it in, making notes and, and you know, absorbing it, even if they can't fully, at that point, act on it, it inspires you as a mentor. So, I think that, that just encourage you to split those differences. And, um, and then to state the obvious here, what we're really trying to do is get to this last bottom line. You know, is this really relevant to you at all? So this Getty Images thing, is it really relevant to you? At some point, you might decide, absolutely not. It's just the wrong construct. That's OK. That is totally OK. And that gets to my sort of startup secret for tonight on this, which is don't ever take advice blindly. Take it very mindfully. This is your life. You are making the decisions for your reasons. The number one premise I have, for example, as an investor is it's your business. I might be making my investment, but it's your life that you're investing in building a company. So you've got to decide whether this is the right advice for you. Nobody else can. And 
How many, ever, how many of you have ever heard that you know, phrase, I made a gut decision? Okay, lots of people nodding. How many of you have made a gut decision that you thought was absolutely fantastic? Okay, how many of you made a gut decision that you thought was absolutely terrible? Actually, as many hands. So this is one of the toughest things in life, but even with the greatest advice, greatest input, et cetera, I really think it's important that you step back and say, what feels right? And my experience actually is a little different than this class, which is that I very rarely made a good decision when it didn't agree with my gut, when I really thought, hmm, that just didn't feel right. And there's usually a whole bunch of things that work there, but there's one that I really encourage you to think about, which is this. If you don't believe in something, how much energy are you likely to put behind it? Right? But if you really believe in something, when somebody gives you a piece of advice that you really think you can follow and that you think is, wow, that just feels right. Different level of energy, right? What's the likely output to be? Better or worse? Better. Of course it is. You've got more energy behind it, more conviction behind it, you're more likely to execute on it. This is important. This is part of taking advice in a mindful way and really understanding whether this works for you. And if it doesn't, don't. So I'm going to summarize these three skills now. As simply QED. The three skills I wanted you to take away from tonight were first of all figuring out how to ask the right kinds of questions, to really frame things in a way that you can establish what information you want to get. The second thing we talked about was really establishing fidelity around that. Did you hear it right? Confirming the basis on which it was given to you. You know, why did somebody bring, for example, this suggestion about Getty images or the particular approach that you, you're being recommended to you? And did you understand it? Did you take it in? Even if you don't agree with it, you know, at least establishing you got the right information. Super important. And then the third, and I think it's actually the most important, is taking it mindfully, deciding does it really apply to you? And you know, just as QED is really uh, a phrase that's used in this way, I think if you do this as a mentee, you will get the most out of your mentor relationships. And so you'll answer a lot of the questions that you had. Like, you know, for example, how do you get the maximum time uh, and output out of your mentor using QED? How do you get it going with questions and then establishing a relationship by proving you're really interested as you engage them and, for example, establish fidelity? And then how do you do things like get something mutually beneficial there? Well, relationships where you're showing this kind of QED behavior tend to develop pretty strongly in my experience. And to, to state the obvious here, uh, there's nothing worse than answering the wrong question well. But I see a lot of relationships go off in this direction. QED is designed to avoid that. It's designed to really constantly iterate around in your relationship to make sure you're answering the right question. You're, so next question, of course, is, well, how do you find the right question? We had some examples of this. I think somebody uh, asked earlier on, you know, where do you start? How do you get going? This, is, this was it here. How do you get it going? Who was it who asked that? Who was? Somebody asked earlier, how do we get it going? I guess it was a, a group of people. So I'll tell you, uh, a possible answer is almost invariably to get outside of even your mentor relationship, to think about where is the root of this problem or where is the root of this question? So I've put up here an example. Get outside of your building, your environment, go talk to your customers, go talk to potential partners, suppliers, anybody who's involved in your marketplace. That's a wonderful untapped mentorship resource. A customer is a mentor? Absolutely. Some of the best mentors I've ever had were actually not people I knew. 
but people I was trying to get to know. It's another clue to your relationship question, Patrick, as to how you might start. And why might these people be good mentors? Go ahead. Uh, as part of my company, I've actually had to uh, gone around and fiscally just ask people why they use our product, why they open our product but not use it, why, um, what, they, what would make them use it. We have had a whole range of questions. We were walking around shopping malls, going to our last lo uh, a location where we're installed in, um, asking customers as they're leaving. Fantastic. Just we want to know the range of thought that everyone is having and see if we can sort of uh, tap into their experience and get knowledge from them. This was just, you're Justin, right? Yes. So one of the things I loved about what Justin asked was something I don't hear people do very much. First of all, thank you, Justin. Those were fabulous examples of how you can get great mentorship outside your building from people you don't know that can help you with things as fundamental as your product. One of the things he said, which I was listening carefully for, was not just why do you use our product, but why don't you use it? <laughs> I find that some of the best mentorship I've ever got is when I'm in trouble, when I'm failing, when I'm really missing the point. And going to somebody and saying, I clearly really screwed up. Can you tell me why? Oh my god, those are the best learning moments. So for those of you who haven't met me before, I always tell you this at the beginning of my classes. I have learned way more from my failures than any of my successes. I really encourage you in the moments of your greatest darkness to ask somebody to turn on the light for you and tell you what it is you missed. Uh, for example, with your customers, why don't they use your products? Why don't they like working with you? Why is it that they think you're too expensive? Or whatever it might be. Ask the hard questions. The easy ones, eh, you, you might learn something. The hard questions are really the good ones. So thank you very much. That was very, very helpful of, of Justin to bring that up. So the tools I look for, um, and there are hundreds of these, are things like trying to get, if you get stuck, you know, we talked about brainstorming. Uh, you know, I just talked about getting out of the building, going and doing research. Research is a wonderful way to sort of you know, reframe your problem uh, or, for example, to try to discover new people that might help you with the problem. Uh, and then there are obvious things like, for example, just getting out there and uh, discovering and exploring, for example, other people who might have addressed your you know, area before. The one thing I will say that I'm going to encourage you to think about is if you go to mentors who you constantly think, oh, they've had more experience than me in this field, you're really going back to that point I made earlier, which is you're referencing the past, people who are successful in the past in your area. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember, if you're trying to make breakthroughs or do something innovative, you're trying to find future thinkers. And I encourage you to get cross-disciplined mentors. For example, people who are outside your field who might have nothing to do with medicine if you're, you're trying to solve a medical breakthrough, but perhaps, for example, have had experience in working in the field um, and have had to deal with things like the application of medical products. Uh, so just different kinds of, of skills. Some of the best innovations we've had uh, as investors have come from, for example, the cross-application of things like chemistry and electronics that created completely new displays. Uh, just mildly obvious to state it, but the more cross-disciplined minds, the more likely you are to create something that has never been done before in a breakthrough of, of uh, multidisciplinary skills. Now, I personally am a big believer that the thing to look for is frameworks. So does anybody know what a framework is and, and what the value of it is? I'm sure you've all used them at some stage, but 
Anybody care to tell me what they see as a framework? Maybe Tom, I could ask you. So you would be a framework, a venture capital framework, for example, would be evaluate the fit between people, opportunity, context, deal, and resources. So it's not so important you remember those words, but looking for fit between a series of things and evaluating each one separately and then seeing how they compare and contrast to each other. Awesome. So what Tom just did was not give you an answer about venture capital. He said, what if, I, what if you thought about the fit between all these different elements? So he's not giving you an answer. He's causing you to think about a number of different elements. I'm going to give you my own example. For those of you who want to attend it, this will be in the next class that I have, uh, which is how to build a value proposition. I am not going to tell you in that class what your value proposition is, for obvious reasons. A, you know it better than I do. B, it's going to be uniquely yours. And C, if it is built by you, it's more likely that you'll be able to execute it. If I gave you it, there's very little likelihood you'd actually have conviction to go make it happen. So what do I do? I spend time building up a framework, which is really three things. How do you define your value proposition? How do you evaluate it? And then how do you actually go out and build it? And uh, for whatever reason, this framework seems to resonate with people. It seems to work. But I will tell you, it's totally open framework. It's been evolving over the last few years. I'm constantly getting feedback on it. So again, it's not an answer. It's a basis on which to discuss things. So the reason I mention this is that I encourage you and your mentor to build frameworks together. And I, I'd have the following goals. Just think of them as straw man. If you really don't know, for example, how you're going to work, uh, and I've forgive me, I've forgotten your name in the plaid shirt here. Elliot. Elliot. So Elliot was getting at this earlier. He said, you know, we, we, if we could just create some clarity around what our goals are, how might a framework help with that? I mean, at least we'll know we're on the same page. Exactly. You'll know you're on the same page. You create a common language. If you establish that early on, that means you don't get into dialogues about, well, I thought you meant this. Well, no, actually, let's agree what the framework is for our discussions. You can establish, for example, things like milestones between yourselves around what you're doing in that framework. So for example, you know, Tom raised the idea of fit between people and products and markets. I can't remember all the details of what he was saying. But the point is, that would be a common language. And you could start to evaluate how are you doing in establishing that fit. And ultimately, if a good mentor helps you with this, he won't be the person or she won't be the person who is assessing you. Who will be? Yourself. Absolutely. Why yourself? Why is it better that you're assessing yourself? Because your, your goals, the purpose to even start a startup or project is for your own reasons. And you might even pivot in those reasons. Absolutely. Plus, way more rewarding if you feel it for yourself than if somebody has to keep telling you, right? And you don't have to keep applying it to your mentor. So frameworks really help in this regard because they can kind of give you a basis for establishing that. And what I'm really looking for is that you find your own way to enjoy the journey on this thing. And you find your own enlightenment along the way and that that becomes the basis for it. All right. We're at the last stretch of this thing and I want to talk a little bit about mentors for a second. So we've got two mentors in the room, so I hope they'll jump in. So first of all, let's ask the question, what do you think makes a great mentor? You're all looking for one, right? So better, better you know, know what you're looking for. If, if, you don't, if you don't have an idea of what a great mentor is, how are you going to find one? So somebody who hasn't given me any answers tonight. You were bold enough to sit in the front. What are you looking for and what would make a great mentor for you? Knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. OK, great. What else? Anybody? Good listener. Good listener. Thank you. What, that would make, uh, given what we just said, sounds very important. 
Go ahead. To add to the knowledgeable domain expertise, I think, something that's relevant to what you're putting together. Yep. Domain can be extremely valuable. Uh, somebody also said earlier on, networking. They might have a great network. That was Sammy, I think. Elliot? Uh, personally relatable, so someone you like. Love that. We, we've, we've highlighted this many times, this, this need for a relationship. I think that's got to be on the list. What else? Honest. Honest, incredibly important. You've got to feel like you can trust them. Invested in, on some level. Invested. I love that. Invested, in, do you mean in terms of what they're trying to give? Well, they, they care about your project or what you're trying to accomplish. Awesome. I love this. So there's another hand that went up here. Go ahead. Somebody accessible. Accessible, incredibly important. What use is a mentor to you if you can't you know, keep uh, accessing them and being able to connect with them? So great list here. Now, what's the point I'm making here? I don't have the answer to this. But if you're going to find a great mentor, what's the first thing you should do? Make a list of what your mentor is going to be to you. If you don't do that as the very first thing, you're never going to find a good mentor. And yet, I'm amazed how many times I sit down with people and they're looking for a mentor, and I say, well, what are you looking for in a mentor? They haven't made their list. Job one, write down what you are looking for in a mentor. Be really explicit about what you think a great mentor does for you. You don't know that, we're in trouble. Now, what's the mentor's job at this point? You find this mentor, you've got your list, what are you going to do? You think, you know, this is the person. Do you know that that's the person? They've got to meet all the things on your list? Of course you don't. You don't know them unless you've you know, worked with them for many years. Maybe you're lucky enough. So the first thing is, obviously, you want to have the dialogue with them to set those expectations together. So I want somebody who's accessible, who's open, who's honest, who's invested in me, who's got some domain expertise, who's bringing some networking. Which of these do you think you can bring? And if the mentor's any good, what will they say, Matt? <laughs> I actually don't. No, no, because it's sort of a foreign approach to it to me. So I'm just... Okay, well, go with it for a second. You're, somebody's just approached you with their list. What would you, how would you approach that? Um, I would probably have a little bit of difficulty with that, actually. Go ahead, say more. Um, because, you know, I am who I am, I'll do what I can do. And I, I feel like uh, this happens in, in other kinds of relationships too. People have like checklists of like what they want in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah, and right. what can happen is you could find the best person for you in the entire world. And uh, you know, if they didn't have one of those things on, on your list, you might not even notice. And so I feel like a, a list is, is constructive to some degree, but it can close you off from realizing value or beauty or, or the experience of, of where you actually are. So I'm hearing a fantastic mentor in, in uh, Matt here. And, and why I hear it is because he's immediately having a conversation with you. He's saying, hey, look, I know you want you know, Jesus Christ Superstar, but unfortunately, I'm just you know, mere mortal Matt. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring you down to earth there. But you know, this amazing mentor, Matt. Um, the reality is, none of us is perfect. None of us is going to have all that list. But what might you do, first of all, as a mentor and a mentee? Have a conversation about, OK, well, this is what I bring to the table. And by the way, had you thought about these other things, which I also bring to the table, would that be useful to you? The point is it's a dialogue. And the sooner you have that dialogue, the better. 
Because one of the first problems I see in the mentor-mentee relationship is there's no contract that's mutual up front. You don't sit down, you don't have that discussion, so you have no idea what your expectations are of each other, what you're looking for from each other, and as a result, you start off immediately mismatched, by definition. Because you might be going off with one set of expectations of what they're going to bring, and they'll be going with a different. Go ahead. I have a question. So what, what do mentors, because obviously these are people who are usually, let's take you for example, you're busy, you have a full day. What do you look for in mentees? Like what, did it, what, what would make me pop out for you to take interest in even giving me a shot? Well, the first thing is that you showed up to this class. I'm serious. I mean, you know, this is a very abstract class. This is a hard class, in my opinion, because it's, there's nothing factual about this. You're not walking out of here with three answers and something you can immediately go in action. This is, this is what I call the hard, soft stuff. Uh, and so that's immediately there. And then the fact that you were paying attention as you, for example, engaged me to say, here's what I'm looking for, it, that immediately you're showing me that you're thinking, right? That's why I think this is important. So if you said, look, hey, Michael, I've observed your A, B, and C, and I think I'm looking for A, B, and C. By the way, I think I also knew D, E, and F. Uh, I know you don't have that. Or maybe you think there's you know, G, H, and I that I should also be thinking. That's a great conversation to approach a mentor with. I mean, do you agree if somebody approached with you that conversation? I see you nodding away. So I, the first thing I do is I try to understand where is somebody coming from? What are they looking for? Would I be a fit? Could I really help? And guess what? Remember I said it's a gift? I want to give to people who are trying to receive and who I think want the gift I've got. Everybody wants that. What's the best thing about a gift? Actually, I personally feel it's when it's received by the right recipient and they really appreciate it. So you're establishing that up front. So that's my answer to that. Does that make sense? Or at least it's my approach to that. I'm not supposed to be giving answers. I blew it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, question here. Yeah, I just have a question regarding what you said about having an upfront conversation with the person you want to be your mentor. Yeah. From what you've seen from your experience, does it usually happen in such a formal, like, no. off? Yeah, because... No, it's very informal. No, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about here is, is theoretical enough that I want to be careful to not make you feel like you just got to jump in with all these things. But, it, but I, some things are pretty basic. Like, honestly, if you don't know what you're looking for in a mentor, you're not going to find it. Even if that list never physically appears, you better have it in your head, you, you know, in form. Uh, and then obviously in conversation with somebody, you don't necessarily literally go through the list, but you might be in your head going through thinking, okay, is this person feel accessible to me? Do they feel honest to me? Do they feel like somebody I actually, you know, as I'm talking to them, can see would get invested in this, all these things you were asking. Uh, it's your job to do things like, who said domain was important? Uh, yeah, so what, what could you do to research that one? Ah, Google. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to ask them, do you know about you know, medical devices? And that's your job to figure that out. So again, when somebody approaches me, if they don't know that, you know, I know nothing about medical devices, just to be specific, and a lot of other things, by the way, but I know a little bit about, as it turns out, startups, and mostly in the technology area and so on and so forth. That's stuff you can, you can research. And so, I'm, again, it helps if you've done your work on that. I'm just going to, uh, in the interest of sort of moving us along in time here, jump to what I think makes a great mentor, somebody who has an impact. And um, what we're really looking for here, remember I said uh, thinking about it as, as a gift, the gift that really makes an impact is one that feels good. If you gave somebody a gift, they received it, and eh, nothing happened. That doesn't feel good. 
It doesn't happen on either side too often um, you know, in good mentor relationships. Obviously, the opposite happens. And so what I'm looking for is when you have a real impact, somebody goes something like the bottom line here, wow, or some expletive, pick your own. Um, or at the top line, you know, aha, and it's their personal moment of realization. To me, that's the most rewarding thing that a mentor can see in their mentee. And, um, and so how do we get there? How do we actually get to that aha moment? So we've already talked a little bit about this. If I give you the answer, then you know, we're not going to necessarily help you. But what we're trying to do is ask this question as, as mentors. What have I done to move this process forward in a way that I gave you the analogy earlier on. I've not just given somebody a chess move. I've given them a whole basis on which to play chess. And I've got them to think about how they might develop their own strategies. Now, chess is a great example of this because there's no right or wrong in chess. We all know this. The, you know, the greatest supercomputers in the world took years to get to a place where they could, could beat the masters. Uh, because it's not that logical. There's, there are so many pieces to it that, that are involved in it. It's, in mentor relationships, the same. Usually, there are so many different aspects to somebody's questions that to enable them to get to the aha moment, you've really got to think about how do you bring out approaches in them that um, get them thinking about the bigger picture here. So here are my thoughts for you. And I'll just pick an example. You know, If a mentee says to you, should I price it A or B? We've already heard the answer to this. You know, Is it X or Y? And you say Y. Obviously, you're not helping them. But if you say, well, um, get the mentor uh, get the mentee to think about what's the whole approach to pricing their products. Now, the next thing I'm going to do is painful as a mentor. I'm not going to give the answer. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> and I, my response is, well, what is the core value of what you're selling? And how might you deliver that? You're going to hate me when I first answer your question with a question. But what might come out of that? Alok, you're nodding, what might come out of me asking a question in response to your question? Um, I think in this specific case, what would come out is uh, a more focused thought around what the core value of the product is and how the customer is using it, what value they see, and therefore a pricing strategy that reflects that value, which I think is much deeper than just a number or a model. And even though the question was asked, thank you, Alok, in an open way, like you know, we said ask open questions. How should I charge my product? It's a pretty open question, actually. My response as the mentor is, well, people charge. I know in my head that the framework as to why people pay for things is usually based around value. So I throw it back at you, and I say, well, where's your value? How do you think about your value? How might your customers consume that value? What's the basis on which they would find it most easily packaged? I could think of a 1,000 questions as a mentor around pricing. Trust me. That's my job. So I'd also look, as mentors, since we've got a couple in the room, to answer questions with questions, even though people find it painful, but do so in a way that's guiding with things like frameworks, et cetera. And if you're a mentee, ask your mentor for questions. <laughs> ask them. If they're not giving you, you know, sort of enough guidance, say, look, I need more questions from you. Don't be afraid to say that. You're giving me a lot of great thoughts. You're giving me a lot of great ideas. But I'd like you to ask me more questions. If you're not getting the light bulb to go on for yourself, if you're not having your own aha moments in your relationship, it's probably not the most deep and significant relationship that it could be. So then in the mentor 
The same thing um, that sort of, if you like, following on from the symmetry we talked about is what are you trying to develop in your mentee? You're trying to develop curiosity, the joy of learning, and a very, very, very important thing to me, which is the confidence to try. Okay, if you did nothing else as a mentor, nothing else other than gave your mentee the confidence to try stuff, you're a good mentor. Why? Let's have one of the mentees tell us here. So I've been a great mentor to you now, Sammy, and I've done nothing for you. I haven't given you the, your CTO. You're frustrated because I didn't give you the CTO. I haven't even taught you how to hire, but I've given you all the confidence in the world now to go out and figure out how to hire and how to find the greatest CTO. Would, that be would you be happy about that? I mean, you, it's like lighting a fire and that's gonna keep me warm until the next time I need, like you said, it's like turning on a light. Uh, in reality, it's like sort of kindling a fire yep. that, that you need, yeah. Well, fantastic answer and thank you for, for putting it that way. I'm gonna tell you, and I should have a slide on it, but it comes later on, I'll just tell you. My number one thing that I tell entrepreneurs as a mentor is this. There is no such thing as failure. There is only learning. So I want to give you the confidence to try, even if you fail, because I already told you, I have learned more from all my failures than I have from any of my successes. And so look for a mentor who is going to give you the confidence to act and give you the comfort that it's okay to learn and there is no such thing as failure. That's super important to me. And um, Tom, I want to check in with you for a second. Does this resonate with you? And, and how are you feeling about this? It absolutely is. So this confidence drive, and also relating it to uh, thinking about sports in general, I had mentioned to you before, uh, my wife being a professional coach and trying to deal with athletes and trying to think of the athlete-coach relationship as similar here. And this confidence part in particular is what's really resonating with everybody turning that over in my head. Yep. That if, uh, the, the level of productivity of an entrepreneur is likely to be so much higher, the delta on that, when confident, confident in willing to try and explore and experiment and learn from mistakes. Fantastic. I'm going to have to have you permanently in the audience as I'd give these talks. Thank you very much, Tom. No, but really, it's extremely well said. I mean, I love great animated movies, so Buzz Lightyear is my hero. He was, I wish he could be my mentor. So the mentor I look for is going to encourage you beyond anything else. And it's really about feeling like there is nothing you can't do. And there's a wonderful quote, if you haven't heard it, um, I bet you'll never guess who said it, which is, there's no such thing as impossible. In fact, the word itself spells I'm possible. You'll never guess who said that. Audrey Hepburn. Who knew that? Good man. Audrey Hepburn said that. You earned right back at you. What was the question you had earlier on? <laughs> um, well, no, no, just like how can you let the mentor know that you had the aha moment? Like, by, do you do it by email or how do you let them know? How would you think would be best? Well, in person, ideally, right? Absolutely. It's so rewarding for the mentor to hear that. Wow, I went away, I thought about what you said, I had this aha moment. I've now got the confidence to go do something with that. It feels right to me. Oh my God, that's so rewarding. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's why I you know, mentor and coach, because it's so rewarding to, to hear that. So it's a huge win-win. It's like a flywheel of positive reinforcement when you get that with your relationships.
So uh, now's, the, now's the quote I was telling you. Remember, there is no failure, only learning. And the relationship I want you to have is one where a word we haven't mentioned, nobody put it on their list, but I bet when I tell it to you, you'll all have it on your list. It's safe. A good mentor-coach relationship uh, with a mentee is going to be safe. You should be able to tell them anything, your worst fears, uh, your greatest um, you know, challenges, and those moments of darkness, because that's where you come out. And what I'm going to ask the, the mentors to do is to take this next startup secret to heart, which is something that my first mentor told me many times. And actually, I had lunch with him in London just two days ago, and it was funny. Uh, he reminded me of this, which is that things are never really quite as bad as they seem, but they're also very rarely as good as they seem. And so a good mentor will actually help you see that. They'll help you when you're getting absolutely frustrated and really down to realize, you know what? Take a deep breath. Let's come back tomorrow, figure it out, reframe the problem, think about it differently. It's probably not as bad as you thought. And also, when you're carried away with enthusiasm, you've got your first customer, and you believe all the next 100 are going to be just as easy to get, unlikely. Uh, and so it helps to have somebody who will also temper your enthusiasm at some level that makes you realistic about things. And this is something that I want to get to in terms of just a bottom line piece of advice. You really need to make sure that your working relationship is feeling this way. And so how do you know you've got a good relationship? Ask the question, is this working? How often should you do that? Regularly. How do you improve? By asking all the time. If you're a mentor and you don't feel like you're doing well, um, you know, just ask the mentee. Hey, how can I help you more? What might be a better way to help you? What are some of the things that you felt didn't work with us? Same, same thing, flipping it around. And same for you for the mentor. Uh, sorry, for the mentee. If, if you feel like it's not working for you, hey, I'm not sure this is working for me. I've got these questions. How could we improve it? So this leads to something that's, I think, a simple thing to recommend, which is record and review regularly. Agree check-ins. I don't care whether it's once a week, once a month, daily if that's what you have to do. But this is really important, this business of actually checking in and saying, how's it going, just at the basic level. And one of the things we're trying to get to here Remember we talked about relationship and we talked about mutual? There they are. There's two words on there. We're trying to get to a mutual relationship here, where this feedback is enjoyed by both of you, where you both want to learn. And that brings up the surprise for today. Aren't we all possible mentors? I think you've all been helping each other in this class, which might answer Patrick's question too. Where do you go for mentors, mentorship? My favorite mentors are peers. They're not the rock stars, the superstars. They're usually out of touch with what I'm doing. I love peer mentorship. Where else can you get better mentorship than from your co-founder or from other people who are starting up companies? The iLab is full of it. We're incredibly lucky at Harvard. We have this incredible resource across all the schools here. Hundreds of you in this lab coming through here, working on these problems together. Please take advantage of that. Go and form peer relationships. I've connected a few of you tonight. If you liked any of the answers you heard from other people, go talk to them. There's a wonderful thing about peer mentorship, which is it's by definition going to be a surprise that you won't, hopefully at this point, won't be surprised about, which is that these people who are asking all these same questions as you are great mentors because they're asking the questions that will help you think too. So I really encourage you to go find people uh, on every level um, and to uh, ask the kinds of questions that you're doing, and that very much includes your peers. So coming back to conclude tonight, 
Mentoring is a gift. As I've said all the way through, it's a wonderful gift. And it's not one way. It's mutual at its best. It's a gift that you enjoy giving. It's a gift that you enjoy receiving. And if it isn't turning out that way, you've got to change it. And I've given you hopefully a few ideas about how to find the right uh, mentors and how to think about you know, being mentored. The key point about this class, and this is why we do it, is mentoring is a skill like anything else, as is being mentored. And so develop it. Please come and share with me how you think it can be improved, how this class can be improved, how you think your relationships go. I'd love to hear, for those of you who do form mentoring relationships during the course of this year, you know, which ones work, which ones don't. So there's you know, ways you can do that on the site. Those of you who haven't been to my classes before, you can just go to startupsecrets.com. Uh, there is a, an article on mentorship. You can just search for mentorship and you'll find it. Um, or those of you who read the article, uh, you could comment it on LinkedIn that's on there. And then to answer this question about um, you know, what we started with before, trying to find people, start with a mutual contract and try to find something that um, you know, will work for you personally. And so I want somebody to try to answer Patrick's question since we've got to this point. So we heard Patrick, I think, I want to restate it. You know, how do you develop a relationship and find somebody who you know, will, will be inspiring to work with you? Can somebody help Patrick out now since we've got plenty of Go ahead. Um, I think if the relationship seems forced, right away, there's an issue. If it's somebody really, quote unquote, high profile, who's not accessible, who you have to really try hard, that means that from their perspective, they didn't find something worth fighting for in you. So I mean, I just think if it's really hard, if it's not fluid, going back to what uh, one of the mentors said, it's sort of like if you're looking for a girlfriend and you have all these 20 things and then yep. they don't have some of them. And if that's what you're crossing off, then you'll miss out on all the other stuff. So it should be a fluid, very natural, almost instantaneously thing. So that way they'll, they'll want to help you. I don't know if that helped out. I think it helped out very well. Did, did that help you? No, go ahead. No, I mean, I agree, but um, it sounds like I don't, know, I, just, I don't want to be critical. I think it's useful sometimes, but, um, but if, you th if, if you think that way, then um, that it's, it always has to sort of like, there's always a sort of power symmetry, you know, with people who are like more successful. So there's always somewhat like um, you want to impress them more than they need to impress you. And so what you're saying is don't go for that at all, right? Kind of. Yeah, so you're saying, yeah, don't go for these people, just go for peers. And that's useful too, right? But, um, yeah. So one of the things I'm going to ask you, because I think we're going to learn something here, is you obviously have a viewpoint which I like, which is different. You have a viewpoint that's comfortable to you, which I like for you, right? Everybody's got a different reason to have a mentor for them. It's personal. But so I, I think... So, yeah, I think, Go ahead. I think there's sort of like different mentors in life, yep. and they all have their value, right? Yep. So like you said, peer values are important. The, the mentors that I've met here were amazing. So there's a bunch of different mentors, and they're all awesome, right? So my question was more specific to people that really inspire you. So yep. this Warren Buffett story of, you know, he met Benjamin Graham, he was his teacher, and then sort of they developed this mentorship. And how do you do that, right? Um, how do you think you do that? Well. You, so the thing is, you have to offer value, right? So you have to start the relationship sort of like in service to the other person, and then slowly 
you get also value, right? But if you start up saying like asking questions and sort of being annoying, then because they have so many other things to go on, I think it's very difficult then, you know, for them to see you as something like different and to take them on, take you on as a mentee. Okay, so I'm going to try to help you with this thinking by going back to a firm principle I was sharing with you tonight, which is mentorship's a gift. So even if you're Warren Buffett or you're this famous person that you're approaching, those people are just people too. They also need, in some form or another, to feel rewarded in how they're giving. And so I would actually approach it by, doesn't matter to your point whether it's symmetrical or not, no matter how lofty they are, recognizing that and saying, hey, would you find it valuable to give this gift of mentorship? I am excited about receiving it in this way. You'd be shocked how many people will say yes, no matter how brilliant, lofty, successful, famous they are. And so I'd encourage you, basically, as you're doing. Okay, that's very useful. But I find it's still hard sometimes to develop sort of a relationship um, then like by email or where you don't really get to meet them that often, right? Cool, it's so, very hard. Um, it's already hard, like developing a relationship where you meet the person in person, but doing it over email only is very difficult. I, well, I think you're answering your own question. Don't do it over any email then. Find a way to get to them that's not just email. I'll go back to the quote you had when we were talking about, which is nothing's impossible if you believe it. So don't make it impossible for you to go approach that person. What's the worst that could happen? We also said it tonight. What's the worst that could happen? No, nothing, I know. Right, you might fail. Guess what, you'll learn that was the wrong person for you or whatever, or you'll learn they did the wrong thing, try it again. There's no such thing as answers here, that's what we were talking about tonight, the whole evening. I really encourage you just at the, the, at the essence of this. By the way, you two might make awesome coaches to each other, um, to, you know, to, to mentor each other a little bit on things, because you've got diverse viewpoints. Remember what I was saying earlier? You, you're seeing things differently. It might not be comfortable for you initially, but I encourage you to, to both to meet and talk about, you know, who did you pick as mentors, why, what are some of the things you could learn from each other? I, I bet there's something that, that would come out of that. Anyway, just for time, I want to wrap up. We've got three minutes till the end here. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you very, very much for participating. This is one of the hardest classes I run because it's, as I said, the hard, soft stuff. This is not you know, really tangible stuff. And you're a great audience, very attentive, et cetera. Thank you very much for joining the Startup Secrets class tonight. Please leave your feedback, comments as ever on the site. Thank you very much.